Eagles Entertainment. Anything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another day, and we had a hot one today as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 395. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Ben Fennell and Chris McPherson about our big takeaways from Thursday morning's practice as the Eagles took the field in 100-degree heat in South Philadelphia. Got a lot of red zone work in. It was one of the longest practices of camp so far. What were our big takeaways? Well, we'll get into that here upcoming in Chalk Talk, but before we get there, a couple of things I want to make sure we hit on. Number one, I've talked about it before. Make sure you go subscribe to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Myself, Ben Fennell, Dane Brugler, we just broke down all the top players in the ACC. Well, next week, we've got the Big Ten. So uh, for all of our listeners that are big Penn State fans or maybe Rutgers fans up in this region, Ohio State, obviously, if you're into that, make sure you go check out the Journey to the Draft podcast. We'll be talking through all the top prospects hitting the Big Ten here this fall, obviously in preparation for next spring's NFL draft. And as always, make sure you head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to the show. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. If if you have a question, we will answer it here on an upcoming episode. That said, uh, we've got a lot of – it was a hot day outside. We've got a lot of hot topics to discuss. Let's get into it now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, so I welcome in Chris McPherson and Ben Fennell and C-Mac. Like I said, it was a uh, it was a hot one out there and uh, plenty to talk about. So let, let's get into what happened before we got on the field today. Plenty of news to kind of cipher through uh, in terms of roster news. Indeed. Let's start with Wednesday. The Eagles finally, ding, 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 made a transaction. Richard Rodgers was activated from the pup list. So get a little roster move action there. All right, let's get to the injuries. All right. Do you guys want the good news or the... Eh. Eh, we'll start with the, the not-so-good news. To start. All right, we'll go there. So both Jordan Mailata and Andre Dillard suffered concussions on Tuesday, during the practice on Tuesday. So LaRaven Clark, the Raven Clark, was the first team left tackle yep. at today's practice. Don't know how long those guys will be out for. Now we add in wide receiver Devontae Smith. He is sidelined with a groin injury. No timetable for his return. Doesn't Which, seem to be yeah, anything serious, but... We talked again. about how he left practice briefly and came back out. I wonder if that was uh, what, he, what he was dealing with. Not sure. I know Sirianni, Coach Sirianni, was asked about it. Didn't know the exact Got when it. it happened during practice. So, nonetheless, he is sidelined. Now, guys who have been injured... Grant Calcaterra has a hamstring. Mac McCain, cornerback with the knee, and Greg Ward still out with still the out. toe. All right, yep. well, let's get a little bit of good news. Zach Paschal made his Eagles training camp debut. He had been battling food poisoning. He returned today in a limited capacity and made some plays uh, during, I know, the red zone. Uh, One-on-ones, yep. Yeah, so it was good to see him out on the field finally. No doubt. And uh, you know, some of these other guys making the field, you talk about Richard Rodgers returning, uh, activated off pups. So uh, some good news on that front. So, uh, look, it was, a, it was a long practice today, and we're going to get into the, uh, the thought process behind that here in a little bit. C-Mac will bounce back to you to talk through uh, what Nick Sirianni had to say about about that, but uh, Ben, I want to bring you in here. Um, I would say the big takeaway that you and I had, kind of talking, even just t- kind of talking through while we were watching stuff happen on the field. Defensive coverage seemed to be really tight today in team drills, forcing uh, Jalen Hurts, Gardner Minshew to kind of hold on to the football and kind of pat, pat, pat and scramble. We saw it numerous times here today. 
Yeah, I thought the offense had a real strong practice on Tuesday, and I thought a rubber band back to the defensive side yep. today, and you get that in uh, you know in camp. I think uh, collectively sometimes sides of the ball shine or maybe struggle, and I think the offense uh, got taken a little bit by the defense, and it's a good thing because that tells us there's good coverage on the back end and you know sound assignments, and you don't necessarily want 80-yard touchdowns all day in practice because that typically comes at the expense of your coverage. Exactly right. So remember the balance and the full picture of all this. But the defense today was really solid, and I felt like the quarterbacks uh, struggled out there. And, uh, you know, that, that happens out here, and I'm sure next practice will rubber band back and, and so on and so forth. And when there's plays like that, you know, my big thing, and we've been to enough training camps to, to know this at this point, is like, okay, after a play like that where we're not sure – all right, well, who's at fault? Like, what, what are they looking at? I immediately looked at the coaches. All right, who, do the, who are the coaches talking to? And it felt like on a bunch of those reps, there were some where the coaches trended towards the receivers, hey, and trying to coach those guys up. This is how the, the route should have deployed. Or sometimes they go to the quarterback. And so just kind of bouncing back and forth, just trying to see who, uh, who needed the coaching most after that rep. And the holding of the ball by the quarterback can happen for several reasons. Maybe picking a pre-snap matchup that's not there post-snap. Maybe not getting your eyes to the right place or finding that leverage defender post-snap as well. Um, so there's a lot of reasons why I could hold the ball. Remember as well, Devontae Smith was out today. Yep. A little bit of a trickle effect with receivers moving around, guys in different spots. Now obviously with Zach Paschal up. So a little bit of a learning curve as well in today's practice as well. Good Maybe point. you know the quarterback expects something with that previous receiver and he knows that route and that timing at the top and suddenly it's not that guy. He has to eat the ball, and then they talk about it in the huddle and get it cleaned up. That's what practice is all about, cleaning up those mistakes, getting on the same page, not just with the ones and the twos, but that third receiver, fourth receiver, right. fifth receiver, and in different spots. So all different reasons why those uh, holding of the ball reps happen. You talk about the domino effect. Well, it's not just the starters. It's the backups. Yep. Sure. I mean, all yep. of a sudden, look at left tackle. Okay, Raven Clark's played in the NFL. Played for Coach Sirianni in Indianapolis. He's a veteran, but all of a sudden the domino effect is you basically are basically are having your third string left tackle now as your top guy who's working with the second unit and so on and so forth. So it's a domino effect across the board. In fact, Coach Sirianni was asked during his press conference uh, following practice today. They moved up the practice time an hour to account for the heat, so Coach talked afterwards. Uh, but he was asked about how long does it take for the, the chemistry, the timing for the passing game to develop and Coach Sirianni was like, look, there are so many things at play here because you have, obviously, the quarterback has to know the play. Well, the receivers have to know the play. And if you have guys like A.J. Brown new to the team and Zach Paschal coming to a new scheme, okay, they've got to learn things. You got to get, they got to get on the same page. Then the offensive line has to do its job on each and every play. Oh, by the way, there's a defense you're going against. Right, so even, you know, sure. this isn't routes on air. I mean, if, if everything, you know, from the walkthrough standpoint and the, and the whiteboard standpoint looks good, well, but if you get out there and you got Slay, you've got James Bradbury, you got Avante Max, who I thought was outstanding today in practice. If you got those guys flying around, TJ Edwards, who is around the ball each and every practice. That's going to make things harder for the defense. So it, it slows down that time. There's no like, okay, by practice five, the passing game has to be intact. And by practice 10, this is – no. It, it's You just figure out what's working on a day-in, day-out basis. And this is what Jalen Hurts said the other day. We're not scheming for the Detroit Lions today. We're not scheming for the Minnesota Vikings in week two today. They're just running their plays against the defense – 
seeing what works, what they like, what doesn't, and then that's kind of what the menu will be when they do start preparing for these preseason games and the regular season games down the line. Oh, that's a good point. And it's funny just because we've had the discussion over the last few days about uh, interceptions in training camp. What does that look like? Well, uh, if the quarterback holds onto the ball, it's like, oh, well, why didn't, why didn't he throw it? Like you could go back and forth, round and round uh, with these kind of discussions. Uh, real quick, you talked about uh, Nick Sirianni his press conference, and he talked about the decision to move practice, which typically has been at 10 a.m. back to 9 a.m. and still have – was it, it was the longest practice of the, of the, of the summer so far. Uh, just what did uh, Nick Sirianni say about that after practice? Well, ni- I don't know what it was for you guys. I read 92 degrees, but the real feel was, yeah, was 100, 100 yeah. 101. Yeah. So uh, you are going to have, especially early in the season. Now, the Eagles might get a little lucky because first game is in a dome, second game is a night game. But these early season games are going to be in humid, hot conditions most likely. Your guys need to be ready for that. You also want to see – how they battle through adversity, okay? This is not comfortable. This is not comfortable. This is not, you know, relaxing. This is not a normal practice for them. How are the guys going to fight through it, okay? Are they going to rally around one another and be able to persevere? Who's going to step up in times like this? Who's going to be a leader who's going to bring the energy, bring the juice at times like this? And Kosirani noted, look, hey, Friday's a day off for the players, okay? So let's get our work in. Let's be intense. Let's do what we need to do on the field, and we'll get you out of the building, and you guys will be able to have your rest day on Friday. First preseason game is a week from Friday. These guys have time to recover and get their bodies right for that game, but you really want to put them through the elements and see how they respond to it. And don't remember, a couple joint practices down in Miami coming up too. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure that sun's going to be beaten down there in August in Florida, so – Got to prepare yourselves for the conditions. Yeah, and it's one of those things. Where I'm sure, like from a decision-making standpoint, you're trying to ga- you're trying to gauge that. But also, hey, we don't want to put our players in harm's way either. You don't want a bunch of, of the soft tissue stuff to start popping up and guys uh, that aren't hydrated properly. And so you're trying to g- go through all of that. You don't want to create issues uh, for down the line. So an interesting decision, uh, no question about it. So uh, I want to take a little bit of a different spin, guys, in terms of like instead of doing play of the day, maybe just like a player that stood out. And C-Mac, you mentioned for, for me, uh, uh, Avante Maddox coming off the field. It was like I felt like there, I wrote down 29 like a dozen times in my notebook today. Uh, ben, you're going to talk about the receipt. Receiver DB one-on-ones. Uh, he had a couple impressive reps there. He was really active as a blitzer. He was really active uh, against the run. He had a couple of TFLs uh, here in this game, just or on this day of practice. Just really, really active throughout the course of the day. I thought Avante Maddox has had a good start to camp, and I thought this might have been his best day uh, from what we've seen. Ben, uh, who's a name that kind of stood out to you? Yeah, Avante is definitely a good one out there. I got a few. You know, I think Avante's backup in the nickel. Jimmy Moreland had himself a nice day. Guy's played a lot of football in the NFL. Very few wide-eyed moments from him. He's playing uh, very fast as well. Um, a couple other players that I really liked out there. Obviously, A.J. Brown, a couple really big catches in the red zone, middle of the field, being used all over the formation as well. Also having to block a little bit on the outside, getting a big hit from Kayvon Wallace and some playful trash talking after that. That was great. Hey, A.J. Brown's 230 pounds. He's not just catching passes. This guy's <laughs> going to block some safeties and linebackers and use that big, athletic, you know, tough frame in a variety of ways. So it was great to see that competitive rep out there, too. And I, I like seeing some some hits. I like seeing some uh, some some clanks going into the end zone. There we saw Marcus Epps putting Boston. A little Scott scary. On a little scary. There, got okay. Up a little slow. Um, but you know, I think we're getting to that kind of point in practice where everyone better finish the rep. And there's no coasting in the end zone, or you're going to get put on your butt and uh, kind of have a wide-eyed moment out there. So I'm um, glad to see everybody got up. Everybody's healthy and. 
uh, we'll go from there. But a nice day by uh, a lot of the veterans. So my guy, TJ Edwards, okay, we'll talk about him a little bit later on um, as well. But TJ Edwards is around the ball each and every day here at practice. He had an interception in one drill. Uh, I also like the leadership that he's displaying out there. It was uh, Mario Goodrich made a play along the flat. He, you know, was a read and react type situation. He went over and, you know, closed down the receiver really quickly. And you see, you know, as high as it was, TJ Edwards running down, tell him great play, way to go, way to read it. Uh, you know, again, bringing that energy out there on the field. So TJ Edwards has had a very strong start to camp. So uh, like Avante Max, so I would give him uh, some praise here today. Yeah, he's a guy that uh, definitely has shined every single day. And real quick, we can get on this since we're talking about TJ. I know you spoke to him uh, after practice. Yeah, so basically I had a good conversation with him because he's been talked a lot by the defensive coaches. You know, Jonathan Gann said that um, – He's so great in coverage because the scheme helps maximize his abilities. And I, and I asked him point blank, what makes you such a good coverage linebacker? And he said it's so important to understand the playbook so that from an instinct, instinct standpoint, you know where to go, you know where to be at all times. You have to think one step ahead of the offense and understand what's coming at you. Um, linebackers coach Nick Rollis said the other day, and I think we mentioned on the podcast, that he wants T.J. Edwards to understand the opposing offense because – I asked TJ, look, we've talked about all the additions at the linebacker position from Hassan Reg to Kaiser White to drafting N'Kobe Dean and Kyron Johnson, yet he's the Mike. He's yep. the rock in the middle of that defense. Uh, you know, they're still trying to figure out who's going to be the guy alongside him. But that first-team defense, TJ Edwards has been the guy. And TJ has said, look, I was an undrafted free agent. You know, yeah, I'm finally getting my chance to shine in this defense. But I, look – I'm not giving up that opportunity, okay? I'm in the playbook every single day. I'm studying all the time. Like, you know, nothing is going to change from, from my perspective um, as I get ready for this season. So he's doing everything in his power to, you know, like a guy like Marcus Epps, maximize the opportunities out here on the field. You know, a guy I just want to give some credit to as well, I feel like I'm a little desensitized to his greatness, and that's Lane Johnson. Yep. I feel like we've gotten so bored with how good he is. He is having an outstanding camp. He is dominating out there. And that's coming a little bit at the expense of free agent Hassan Reddick, who has to face him on a daily basis. And it's not a fun matchup for Hassan Reddick to face this long, athletic, powerful, experienced right tackle in Lane Johnson, potentially and arguably the best right tackle in the NFL. Don't get desensitized to his greatness. He's not going to be here forever. We're going to look back on his career and be a legendary eagle. Watch him on the practice field. Watch his sets. Watch his hands. Watch his finish. Watch him in the run game. This is an elite player, a special player, and we get to see him up close in practice. It's a privilege, but don't get desensitized to his greatness. What he's doing out there in his 10th year in the NFL might be the best player in camp right now, and I'm not sure how many people really care because it's just ho-hum Lane Johnson out there again, but don't lose sight of the fact how great he is. We were talking about it earlier this week on the show. It's like uh, there are certain players and certain things where it's like, oh, like you kind of get lost, like talking about Lane Johnson, talking yeah. about uh, Fletcher Cox or oh, like Darius Slay. And, and it's, it's funny, too. Uh, there are a lot of these things that, you know, we were saying on 
practice one and practice two that keep popping up in practice four, practice five, and my guests are going to keep popping up when we get to, to eight and nine. Like, how many times, Ben, have you talked about on the podcast in the last week? Oh, TJ Edwards, better in coverage than you think. He had like four pass breakups today, yeah. three of them diving, one on the goal line, one to end a drill. Like, he's just like always around the football, and it's, it's we just keep harping on these same things. It's like, yeah, like uh, you, you start to, you don't want to lose sight of some of those things that are plain as, uh, plain as day. We have like funny chuckles after those plays with Edwards. I just kind of look over, was that Edwards again? Right. Is that Edwards again? It's like, is he going to keep doing this? He's kind of the unsuspecting coverage menace out there. You're just like, you don't think he's going to be that guy? It's like, was that Edwards again? 57 again? Right. Was that 57 with that interception? Just all over the place in the middle of the field. Yeah, I was t- I was talking with uh, with Jimmy Kemsky before practice. Uh, he was doing a podcast for for BGN, and you know we were talking about uh, what's the big the big takeaway. And it's it's funny because like. You know, I, I feel like it depends on where a team is in terms of like the build. And this is a team that's obviously it's built to compete and win a lot of games here this year. So my eyes and maybe like my just like where my mind goes is more towards like the blue chip guys and not necessarily towards, oh, well, who's the uh, the back end of the roster? Who's the young developmental player? Like, yeah, certainly we're keeping an eye on those guys. But my I feel like every day. I'm watching A.J. Brown. I'm watching Lane Johnson. I'm watching Jordan Mailata. I'm watching all these guys are like, yeah, like these are going to be linchpins, like huge parts of this team. And again, I feel like it's just because that's where this team is built right now to, to compete right now. I think a storyline as well that we talked about a little bit in camp, the obviously a new right guard, Isaac Sayomalo. Yep. Going to be a little bit of a learning curve working with Lane with Johnson. With Lane, sure. And mm-hmm. All the details, passing mm-hmm. off stunts and twists and pass protection, understanding the depths of sets, understanding how firm the double teams are going to be. Much different profile than Brandon Brooks. Obviously, he's had some injuries, so Lane has worked with different people. But it really hasn't been Isaac. So I love watching them kind of go through some pre-snap, you know, whispering to each other, talking about things post-snap. Lane's excellent. Isaac is excellent. Let's watch them work together because they're different body types. Yep. And obviously everyone's a different body type from Brandon Brooks. So just <laughs> feeling that, you know, how the power and the feel working together and the combos takes time. So two elite players working on their craft is fun to watch. Pay attention, 56, 65 there, right guard, right but tackle. It's so interesting because even though he's been here since 2016, yeah. you know, of the five offensive line starters, he's the third longest tenured player, but he's the new guy. It's almost like for this line to work and to reach its potential, that's the piece that needs to come up to speed more than anyone else. I mean, Maialata obviously developing still. Dickerson's only in his second year, but – Say Amal is the quote-unquote new guy at that position. Yep. And, you know, coming in for someone who's so revered and was played at such a high level for several years in Brandon Brooks. Obviously, big shoes to fill, but you hear guys like Kelsey and Lane talk about how cerebral Say Amal is and how, you know, all the stuff that is not appreciated about his game. Hopefully he gets to get his respect this year. And one little lump on Say Amala today. It was nice to see Fletcher Cox still has a little juice. He really kind of got through him on a one-on-one rep, uh, O-line, D-line. So 91 out there. Still got some juice, folks. Don't well, forget about him. Well, that's a perfect transition because I did want to get into the, the one-on-one periods. Ben, I want to have you talk about the, the receiver DBs. That's how it started uh, practice down in the red zone, and it's one of my favorite drills at camp. Uh, but since we're talking in the trenches, uh, I'll go with the O-line, D-line one-on-ones. This happened during the red zone seven-on-seven period. And for me, this was more 
more of a defensive drill uh, here on Thursday. I felt, I felt like uh, the defensive lineman got a little bit more of the edge. You mentioned that win um, from Fletcher Cox, but uh, Javon Hargrave, Milton Williams, all, all three of those guys winning with quickness, able to cross face of the guard or the, or the center uh, they, they were working against on that given rep. Uh, so being able to see those guys win that way, but then also with power, right? Brandon Graham had a great bull rush against Jack Driscoll uh, lining up off the edge with the second unit. Jason Kelsey and Jordan Davis, they had a couple reps against each other. And Ben, you made a great point about uh, how hard of a matchup that is for Jordan Davis uh, and how he's going to really struggle to win that leverage battle against Jason Kelsey. Well, here in this one, uh, Jordan Davis was able to bull rush Kelsey back a little bit. It wasn't like a clear, oh man, that was a dominant win, but Jordan Davis got a little bit more push than he did on Tuesday. So I thought that was really good to see uh, from the rookie. One young guy that did stand out, uh, Josh Sills, uh, a veteran player at, at college, uh, played at West Virginia and then Oklahoma State. Uh, he's played some tackle. He's played some guard. Uh, he's had a couple nice I reps. Blink and 61's at a new spot. Yeah. He's all over that offensive line. Yeah, he had a couple nice reps uh, today in one-on-one. So I uh, wanted to give him some love as well. Uh, but that said, I want to get to the receiver DB one-on-ones. Everybody, <laughs> and the reason why we want to hype the, the one-on-ones every day, fans love one-on-ones. We love one-on-ones. So we got, let's, let's give a little bit of a, uh, some of our big takeaways. And they started practice in the red zone. Receiver deep. And definitely important to note in the red zone. First reps in the high red zone right around the 20-yard line, then in the low red zone right around the 10. These happen fast. I was going to say, how does this change? You better separate yep. quickly. And obviously there's yep. that, there's no pass rush, but there's that internal clock of the quarterback of a little eager to get that ball out. And this session really started and ended with Avante Maddox, two strong PBUs against Quez Watkins. Yep. Really good rep on a double move as well, which in the red zone, those happen fast. Those DBs are ready to break on the first sign of a, of a break in or out. Out. So those double moves are really tough to recover on. Great job by Avante Maddox there. Competitive reps all the time. Darius Slay, A.J. Brown. Yep. But Slay uh, got matchup. the best of them on the second one, kind of a back shoulder. And then the first one off coverage just took some free real estate in front on a slant there. But great reps all the time between those two. Dallas Goddard looking sharp with his route Outstanding running. Outstanding route on his first no rep. No question. Off coverage, really played with his pacing, kind of slow played it, and then snapped out of the break. I don't know who threw the ball, but they threw a laser right to his hands in there. If you're putting the ball in Dallas Goddard like that, his yards after catch ability as well, and his route running, look out for him to have a huge season. Um, and a couple other guys I was really impressed with on the back end of the roster. I mean, Lance Lenore is a really good route runner. He's fun to watch. A lot of fun players. Uh, Tay Gowan had a, a really nice rep where he swallowed up a double move. I want to say it was from Deion Kane. Uh, it was like a little stutter go. It was yeah. in the high red zone. Swallowed it up, forced the incompletion. It was a, a really nice rep from Tay Gowan. Uh, who's, he's had moments, and it feels like it's like – we're teetering on the line of P.I. a lot of the times. He's a very, like, handsy corner, but you know he can learn a lot from Bradbury because yeah. Bradbury plays a very similar style, um, and Gowan, I think, has had a couple nice reps uh, throughout the course of he's the game. He's big. He's physical. He the is. length. He brings yes. a lot of length to that cornerback position. Yeah. So. No, it's a, uh, it was a good set of one-on-ones uh, with the receiver DBs and certainly with the O-line D-line. Uh, C-Mac, you talked with T.J. Edwards. Is there any, any other players uh, from post-practice? So I wanted to note this. We talked about Kyron Johnson and – he was being asked about has he developed his pass rush repertoire because yep. he's known for speed. Um, but he says it's interesting because in that Eagles uh, edge group, you know, Brandon Graham's a different body type. Derek, but you have some guys that are not your typical edge rusher, your classic edge rusher body types. Um, and they're kind of tutoring him on using his hands and being able to, you know, start with speed to be able to set guys up. Um, but he's really trying to focus on his get off. The, the one thing I asked him about was 
look, you guys are here, you, you practice walkthrough meetings, you're getting dinner, all, all of your meals are here pretty much, you know, you're getting back to the rookie hotel at, you know, probably seven, eight o'clock at night, you know, what's the rest of the night look like for someone like yourself? And he said, you know, the coaches are good about giving them enough time where he's like, I'm in the playbook for probably like two hours studying. And he's like, I'm sleeping. He's a, I know the, I know the importance of rest and recovery. I've known that for a long time. Like, you know, I'm the type of person that people will call and like, you're going to get the groggy, like, oh, Hey, what's going on? Cause you know, he's already asleep <laughs> type deal. So uh, it's just interesting because these guys typically are in their college careers had, you know, other things, academics to spend time on. Now it's like, guys, it's just football. Yep. What are you going to do with all this extra time? Are you going to be playing call of duty and, and whatnot and, and, you know, burning the midnight oil, wasting time, or are you going to be able to, you know, use that extra time for film study and, and get ready for the next day. And it seems like Kyron Johnson is, you know, taking the lead of the veterans and applying that to his game. Interesting. Yeah. It's always great to hear uh, from the rookies at this point in camp and uh, as they start to uh, uh, get it more custom to the NFL game. Well, guys, uh, the Eagles have off on Friday, so no practice, no podcast on Friday. We'll be back every day this weekend. So Saturday and Sunday, the Eagles have practice. Normal practice time Saturday. Sunday night practice, open practice for the fans at Lincoln Financial Field. So if you live in the area and you want to uh, come and watch this team for yourself, Now's the time. You go, you go over uh, on Sunday. All benefits, CMAC, uh, go towards the Eagles Autism Foundation. You better correct? believe it. So uh, make sure you go check out uh, the Eagles taking the field on Sunday night at Lincoln Financial Field if you're in the area. And if you're not in the area, well, then you can just listen to the podcast. We'll be, we'll be here breaking it down right here on this feed. Until then, though, we'll see you next time right here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast.